And happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there. It is February 14th. And guys, if you have not gone to the card rack at the grocery store, down at Hallmark, man, I'm telling you right now, you are going to get the dregs. So just make a note to self. Next year, get these things out there about a month in advance. Stick them in the uh, nice little drawer that you've got, whatever's going on there. And, uh, man, make sure to uh, have that stuff on hand. So that's what I do. You know, about three weeks in advance of things, you know, I get my Valentine's Day out there. I send them to our mom early, HB. Man, we got that thing going on with her. She's just always excited to get that thing early, and so we do that. And we have uh, all kinds of great things going on here, of course. This is Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we are being sponsored by the Comenius Institute. Comenius Institute. Uh, what we do is cross three bridges in the, this community. The first bridge we cross is into the public university uh, setting at IUPUI, helping students to navigate their thinking uh, with the thinking that they're getting in their classes through their professors. Uh, certainly different sometimes than uh, what they've been brought up on. And the idea, of course, is that uh, we know from studies uh, across the United States that 75% of young people who uh, go to public university, give up the faith uh, after they uh, exit public university because they've been hearing things uh, that they're not sure about or can't respond to. So that's the first bridge. The second bridge is into the Indianapolis communities. And, of course, every single week that you uh, come to listen to us here, you hear the podcast later on, you hear about these great organizations around Indianapolis that are doing good. Uh, we do this uh, based on Titus chapter 3, uh, verses 1, 8, and 14, that emphasize the same command over and over and over again. Do good, do good, do good. That's what we're about, and that's what we are focused on, helping Indianapolis to learn about each other, to know each other, and all of the great ministries uh, that are doing good around Indianapolis. And, of course, our focal point is black and white leaders meeting. Uh, we are constantly engaging that process, uh, helping introduce uh, black and white leaders with each other. And the third bridge that we cross is this bridge into culture. So Christianity into culture, and we're constantly doing that as well, uh, always writing on one thing or another. This week, for instance, on my website, warpandwoof.org, that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org, you can find an article that I wrote on discernment. How do you know how to make the decisions that you make? Does Scripture give us any inkling about how to do that process? And, of course, it does, and I wrote an article about that. So uh, we're always in, invested in and engaged with the culture around us, and that's huge. And so those are the three bridges, into the campus at college, into the community, and through this radio show, of course, and then into the culture, and we're writing and speaking on that all the time. In fact, just for those of you who might be interested, knowing I actually went back to school. One of the things that we do at Cominius is send me back to school at IUPUI. I'm doing grad studies in literature and English. And one of the great things that I'm doing right now is taking a course from a marvelous professor, Jane Schultz, uh, on Civil War uh, history and literature, literature and culture. Uh, really uh, fascinated by this topic. Turning in my fourth paper of the semester already today. Uh, fantastic learning environment. Lots of great things going on in a class like that. And, of course, then I get to meet with students uh, during that time and other leaders of Christian organizations. And I should say, by the way, that there, are going to be, uh, there is going to be a great event this next week. I want to make sure everybody's aware of this. Uh, social media is blowing this thing up, I'm hoping. Uh, and that is uh, Gary Habermas. 
is going to be on campus. Gary Habermas is a Liberty University professor uh, who is an apologist, historian there, and he is uh, one of these experts on the historicity of the resurrection. He's an apologist, so he speaks on all different kinds of issues, but he will be on campus uh, this coming week at IUPUI from about 2.30 in the afternoon through about 9, 9.30 at night uh, at IUPUI this next Thursday night, the 22nd. There are all kinds of uh, things that will be going up on social media about this. Follow me, uh, follow Crew or IV or Ratio Christi or Impact. Um, there are all different kinds of organizations uh, in and around IUPUI that might be able to help uh, direct in this particular organization or toward this Habermas event. And then later on today and tomorrow, I'm going to be sending out very specific and special and personal invitations to pastors Pastors who are going to be uh, introduced uh, to a movie that's coming out this particular uh, weekend, and it's going to be directed toward uh, pastors. And we want to make sure to give us give a sense of where that thing uh, is going to be broadcast. It's actually being uh, shown to pastors around Indianapolis. So if you're a pastor or a leader in your church, uh, do not hesitate to reach out to me at uh, echo1957 at gmail uh, and I will send you information about that if you are listening now or hear this later on. i uh, be happy to send that out to you or pastors. Uh, you've been on the show, you haven't been on the show, whatever. Happy to get that information to you if I haven't gotten it to you already. We've been sending out notifications about this great event. Uh, the favorite uh, is a new movie that's coming out being shown to pastors this particular weekend in Indianapolis and actually the folks who are producing that particular event are going to be here in town as well. Well, this is Valentine's Day. We headed our show uh, in that respect, and uh, just as we come into our first break, our first musical break, I want to, to let you know that we'll be discussing the issue of love throughout this particular broadcast. Uh, again, our special guest today, Merlin Gonzalez from Faith, Hope, and Love, and he is going to be sharing with us uh, the importance of what he does, these missional food pantries, missional food pantries in and around Indianapolis. You do not want to miss Berlin, Merlin Gonzalez's uh, great work and what he has to say about this in the second hour. And Clyde Posley, Dr. Clyde Posley, will be joining me uh, here in this particular first hour as we discuss the great uh, and encouraging words of what we find about love in the scriptures. We're going to take a musical break. Be right back. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We are here every Wednesday from 10 until 12, and your co-hosts are in the studio today. Dr. Clyde Posley from Antioch Baptist Church and Dr. Mark Eckel from the Cominius Institute. And, uh, Dr. Clyde, this morning we're talking about the emphasis of love, and I thought, you know, uh, what better way to begin this uh, uh, second segment than to be talking about the beginning of where love starts. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to say a couple of words here about the Hebrew background to this. Mm-hmm. And one of the key uh, concerns in the First Testament, the Old Testament, is this great word, and I love saying this word, and of course you've got to spit a little on the back of your throat, <laughs> you know, to get this thing out, you know. This wonderful Hebrew word called chesed. Chesed means covenant loyalty. And one of my favorite lines in, uh, from Isaiah is Isaiah 49.16, uh, where God says to his people, I have engraved you upon the palms of my hands. I'll say that again. God in Isaiah 49.16 says, 
I have engraved you upon the palms of my hands. And of course, we all know that when we talk about our physical bodies, one of the first things, uh, or at least we see something about ourselves all the time, is the palms of our hands. And so uh, God is saying, you are going to be ever before me. This is his covenant loyalty. And the second word I wanted to mention is this word ahav. And ahav uh, means to have this desire this ardent desire to possess or be in the presence of. And Deuteronomy 10.15 says, The Lord has set his heart in love, in ardent desire on your fathers, your offspring, and you above all peoples, you speaking now to Israel in Deuteronomy Mm 10.15. This is a fantastic concept, this idea of love, covenantal love, the idea of wanting to be in the presence of those that you love. Uh, You know, this is a, a really great... A uh, way to start Valentine's Day, Doctor. I think right. uh, I think we're heading down the right road. Here. <laughs> right. You know, as as you were speaking, I was thinking about how God has has been so mistreated uh, in terms of uh, who He is and what His intentions are toward man. Uh, the two um, words that you have mentioned, one specifically coming directly from the Torah, uh, speak about God's intention from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, personal intimacy yes. and 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 oneness mm-hmm. has always been on the mind of God. The Bible says in Jeremiah that God calleth the the, the end of a thing from the beginning, mm-hmm. and so that literally tells us that that we serve a God who has what He's up to mm-hmm. on His mind at the end game, at the beginning, yes. and 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 that tells us that that love, mm-hmm. not uh, dominance, mm-hmm. not uh, um, not control in the sense that we we, we view it in many cultures. But 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 uh, compassion, tenderness, mm-hmm. a d- desire for closeness, family yes. has always been on the mind of God. Mm-hmm. I think it 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 serves cultures better. Mm-hmm. It certainly serves us individually better when we view God as a God who's trying to come toward us and not trying to create avenues of division against us, right. a reason to judge us, yeah. a reason to be separated from us. Right. We serve a God, and so and we and, and to reverse that, we have to get it individually. Before we can really embrace it culturally mm-hmm. and before the church, mm-hmm. the church has to see itself as God's love mechanism, mm-hmm. as God's expression of, mm-hmm. of his intent mm-hmm. in the Old Testament. Yes. And, and through the, as we know, through dispensation, he's revealed th- that concept, his intention over and over and over. And ultimately, he's going to do it uh, uh, more clearly for us in the book of the Revelation. But, but, but love is the centerpiece that I think is missing in our world, mm-hmm. most missing mm-hmm. in our world. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and we cannot blame God right. because if we really search the scripture and, and, and not search it for what we, what we think is error, mm-hmm. uh, if, we're not, if, we, if we're not just skeptics, yeah. but if we've really searched the scripture, mm-hmm. we will see a God whose behavior, whose performance toward man mm-hmm. has been, I love you. Yes. I'm trying to find, I mean, if, 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 if you're trying to find, if you're looking for God's personality, mm. he's a covenant God. Yes. He's looking for oneness. Mm. He's looking for relationship. Yes. He's trying to teach relationship. Mm-hmm. He's modeling mm-hmm. relationship. Yeah. He's modeling love. Mm-hmm. The, the kingdom's model, structure, and design from day one has been, how can I show you how much I love you mm-hmm. and how can I uh, teach you? Mm-hmm. To express the same on others, mm-hmm. um, God and he, he, and ultimately in the New Testament he calls himself love. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. He is not only the source of the energy. Yeah. Yeah, he's he said, I am. He is, right. yeah. Right. So he embodies this, and, of course, it comes through the personal work of Jesus. Right. I'm uh, struck by this as you talk about the oneness, of course. Um, this is the reason why you and I are together. Right. Uh, when we first met, it was pretty obvious to both of us that there, we had the same mindset. Right. We had the same love for each other that was Absolutely. an immediacy. And for uh, God's people. Oneness. Uh, right. Emphasis out of John 17, right? Uh, and then, of course, as you suggest um, about the Trinity, you know, the Father, Son, and Spirit, right. uh, demonstrating in relationship with each other what right. it means to have this covenant Absolutely. loyalty with each other, and then to demonstrate that. Of I course, agree. Through you that only prayer. really know what you're willing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, you know, people say, I mean, I, that's a that's a tenet of mine. You know, people say that you know, I love you, I care about you, I'm interested in this. Okay, performance. Yeah, that's right. Show me. Exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, Jesus uh, Jesus uh, in the New Testament explains that there are those who worship me who, with their lips, but their mm-hmm. hearts mm-hmm. are far from me. Mm-hmm. You can tell what a person's real intentions are. Yes. By how they perform. That's right. You know, we are here on this radio show for the express purpose of trying to make sure that the kingdom of God continues to have the powerful voice it's supposed to have mm-hmm. in reconciliation and in, right. in expressing ministry and bringing cultures together. Mm-hmm. And uh, to talk about that, uh, just to say it, we met on a panel, you and I, we express, let's talk a bit, but, but you and I, as you said, uh, we, we the Holy Spirit put us together. Okay, let, let's do something about that. Mm-hmm. If That's it's right. really something God has done, right. if, it's re- if we think that God has prepared us uh, to be a blessing to this city, mm-hmm. let's do it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So. We demonstrate that. We set an example. That's what we're hoping, of course, uh, to do. One of the things that uh, I've been emphasizing to people about uh, Black History Month, for mm-hmm. instance. Is that that's this month, by the way? If you're not familiar with Black History Month, fe- month of February, uh, but one of the things I've been emphasizing to people about that this month is that I'm hoping that the pictures that we put out of ourselves together, mm-hmm. of others who are invested and coming right. as guests to the show, speak for themselves. Exactly. This isn't just we're not putting up some meme, you right. know, from MLK right. as good as that might be, uh, but we're actually getting together with people That's and right. wanting to show that to Indianapolis that this is something that we're invested in doing, That's right. not just talking That's about. Right. And, and it's the only way to get results. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be realistic. You know, we, we talk about you know, the murder rate, uh, we, and, sh- and we should be up in arms about the murder rate, or um, just uh, several other ills in our society. God heals the world, in my view, mm-hmm. through the church, mm-hmm. through That's people right. Who, who love him mm-hmm. and have therefore are in the process of learning how to love each other and they do something. Yes. Mark, we're on this show bringing people uh, who are try- like our guest later, and we'll get into that a little bit later, bringing people who are trying to sh- do kingdom work. That's right. We're, we're Christians, and, and for all the um, uh, terrible things you see, Quite frankly, among some Christian leadership, mm-hmm. some of the some of the horrible things that are happening because uh, people are still sinners, even if they're saved by grace. They still struggle with the flesh. Um, you know, for all of what you hear that is going wrong, uh, something ought to be said. Not to pat ourselves on the back, but something ought to be said about two people trying to go public That's right. about their efforts and their love for God and their desire to see something happen That's rather right. than just sit in the corner and be cynical yes. and critical yes. of a society or, or a different culture, people not like us. And we're doing something about it, I'm, and I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing. It is a fantastic opportunity. And I, When we talk about things like this, I'm always mindful of that 
famous line, you know, it's better to uh, strike a candle in the darkness uh, than to curse it. That's right. And, of course, uh, that's what we're actually doing here is we're providing a light to other people. We're suggesting to folks by not only our presence and our example, right. uh, by our words, obviously, on a Wednesday morning, uh, but through all of the things that come out of this, the podcasts, the pictures, the connections throughout the community. Absolutely. That this is something that's valuable and it's being uh, promoted by Christians. It's not a one-and-done, uh, run-and-gun kind of setting where we have an event and we're done with it and we move on with life or one month out of the year. This is, frankly, if I could be so bold, this is always what's been so frustrating to me about Black History Month, is that every day ought to be a history of everybody, including the black church, including the black culture. And so this is something that has always uh, suggested to me, we're just going to set this off as one month. No, this ought to be happening every single day, all week. You know, I I, I agree with that. And and along with... um Along with what you're saying, um, I was about to say it kind of coincides with what you what you just said that we we don't just invite guests on. We're not just expressing what we express our Christianity. We're learning. Mm-hmm. We're bringing uh, uh, Commission Nunley and others, mm-hmm. uh, people who we and and, uh, and Brother Davis that came on. Mm-hmm. We're expanding our understanding as well. That's right. Uh, you cannot help a culture love better or do do better ministry without expanding your own knowledge base mm-hmm. and getting exposed to other. Uh, uh, cultures, right. how they think, uh, what, 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 what great, uh, thoughts they have, what, what in, ingenuity, what creativity they have, but also, uh, what, th- some of their traumas, mm. what, what they've gone through. Go. Uh, that, that brings me back around to the importance of, of Black History Month. I certainly believe, I certainly, it is a blessing to have a month of, of celebration of, of a spotlight, but it shouldn't go away. That's right. That's it, right. It, it shouldn't go away <laughs> because America doesn't have a history void of black history. Mm-hmm. That's right. It does not have. That's right. Yeah, uh, uh, Caucasians don't have a history void of blacks in America, and blacks don't have a history void of whites in America. Mm-hmm. And so to, if, if we pick one one culture's history and only focus on that, that's right. It's it's unfair. It's unwise. It's not in, it's not intelligent. Mm-hmm. We 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 as 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 uh, developing scholars, I'd like to say, there you, you know, go. as we develop, <laughs> you know, part of what's required, as you know, at the doctoral level, is is is, is world religion, mm-hmm. world uh, uh, world history, mm-hmm. uh, uh, etymology, you know, of various languages that you have to understand in order to understand the culture. Because really, it's hard to understand the culture of people without understanding their language, That's right. and 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 how they and how they and how they uh, process their emotions and mm-hmm. and express their hearts. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "I the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks." So we've had to do that. So 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 yeah, uh, uh, February is an important and powerful month. And uh, let me just say this and throw it back to you. And 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 you hit on something else. You you didn't specifically say this, but I want to say it. It's bigger than I have a king. I have a dream speech. Mm, that's right. Yeah. It's, it's bigger than that. Mm-hmm. It, there's Ida B. Wells, mm-hmm. uh, who 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 wrote uh, exponentially about uh, um, uh, the. Uh, the, the art of lynching and and what what and what the master narrative was behind mm-hmm. lynching, it's 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 bigger than that. Uh, it, it's 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 Ella Baker, it's Fannie Lou Hamer, mm-hmm. it's 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 more than that. It's it's more than W. E. B. Du Bois. It's more than Frederick Douglass. It's Crispus Attucks and mm-hmm. and and what what it meant for him to fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 uh, Douglass Blackman's uh, slavery by another name. Which is a book he wrote in 2011 that speaks about uh, the recre- how the chain gangs 
were 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 a new expression of old slavery. Mm. And 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 so when it's, so it's not enough to just have some days set aside where we wear kente cloth and and do things like that. I'm not insulting that at all because that's an expression of the history as well. But it's un, but it's more than un, it's more than the I have a dream speech. It's understanding that Christianity originated in Africa mm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And there there are people who will tell you that the Christianity for black man, black man is the white man's religion. Mm-hmm. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Henry Louis Gates yep. uh, uncovered the roots of history mm-hmm. and the, the motherland of civilization, as we know, is in Africa. That's right. There are monuments, mm-hmm. temples today from 5th, mm-hmm. 6th, and 7th century mm-hmm. of, uh, of uh, people of color having uh, Christian roots. That's right. So it's it's more than just a day of green, white, and red. Yeah, that's right. You know. Absolutely. And I'm four, four square behind you about such things. Uh, this is important. Uh, these are important issues. I'm always mindful of uh, my favorite book of Ecclesiastes and the Queen, queen of Sheva. Uh, who is uh, this this mighty queen uh, from Africa? I'm mindful of Timbuktu, for instance, yeah. which which contained one of the greatest libraries right. of human. I was history. about to say, but arguably the oldest library. The oldest human, library. Right. That's right. right. And so to give short shrift to uh, this by simply singling out a month, as good and as as wonderful as that might be, really leaves out so much. Before we take mm-hmm. our next musical break, I wanted to say again about the importance of a movie that we're promoting here uh, this particular day called The TheFavoriteMovie.com. Go to the TheFavoriteMovie.com and check this out. Uh, the, the folks who are promoting this movie will be in town this weekend. If you are a pastor, if you're a church leader, and you're listening to my voice, you hear the podcast later on tonight or tomorrow morning, uh, make sure that you send me a connective link, echo1957 at Gmail, or just shoot me a note, uh, message me on Facebook, uh, to see where this is going to be taking place. And I will send you a personal invitation about the favorite, thefavoritemovie.com. That's where you need to go to. Check this out. It's one that is being shown only to pastors in Indianapolis this coming weekend. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. After a commercial break and a bit of music, we'll be right back. We are coming back in Warp and Woof Radio, Radio Next.tv at the Cool Groove site. This is Valentine's Day. And, guys, if you have not hit the card store yet, man, you best get on the horse, man, and get some flowers and whatever else your woman is enjoying. Man, this is an important day for you. Absolutely. Make sure, make sure to go do something about that today. So we are celebrating Valentine's Day today at Warp and Woof Radio. Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckel are discussing the issue of love. And in the last segment, uh, we were discussing the Hebraic concept Mm -hmm. of covenantal loyalty Mm -hmm. and uh, how that began, of course, in Genesis, how the intention of God in Genesis runs all the way through to the book of Revelation. The whole of Scripture emphasizes this. And one of the things I think... uh, Clyde, that, that really kind of stands out to me in this regard as it relates to this idea of love within the covenant loyalty concept uh, comes out of this covenant promise issue. So when we talk about Genesis, for instance, we think about the promise, let's say, for instance, of the rainbow, where God said, I will never judge the earth this way ever again. Mm-hmm. This was a one-time deal, and the rainbow signif- signifies this covenant of promise. And, of course, we have all different kinds of covenants to various individuals. Uh, David, for instance, is one of the great covenants, Davidic covenant, Second Samuel chapter 7. Mm-hmm. But when you and I talk about this kind of thing, we're talking about a promise 
uh, a never let you go, no matter what kind of promise. What are the things that come to mind when you're thinking about the concept of promise as it relates to love? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think what comes to mind, um, Mark, is the strength of God's love. Mm. You know, as as we know, uh, the, the first five books of Moses is filled with basically everything that the rest of the book of the, the Bible is about. Mm. <coughs> and you see God repeatedly. You started. You op- you opened up. Uh, you see God repeatedly uh, showing His love and and trying to. Uh, lead Israel into a relationship with him, a, a, a love relationship, despite Israel. Israel's sins, uh, excuse Adam and Eve's sin, uh, 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 Israel's sins, uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all sin, Israel falls into idolatry. But you see the constant love of God mm-hmm. uh, seeking to rescue and maintain the covenant. Mm-hmm. That he is not only, not only introduced in, in, in the Torah, but he's also performing and displaying in the Torah. That becomes the foundation, and it should become the foundation in, in the minds of people about God's love. Mm. And, we, we stray. And when you've, uh, you're emphasizing the, the Torah, and this concept, by the way, is the Torah re- refers to the first five books of, of uh, the Pentateuch or, mm-hmm. the, or uh, the oh, Old the, Testament, right. but it also uh, emphasizes the law. So when God gives Torah or law, mm-hmm. He is embedding within this this mm-hmm. concept of love, this mm-hmm. promise that He's given to right. everybody, and this is a crucial concern. So you know, your good word here about uh, emphasizing this interplay between law and love mm-hmm. is hugely important. Right, and 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 even in the in, not not to get away from our point because it's a very it's important. But even in the evolving understanding of how grace in the New Testament actually unfolds, we must we must place the 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 I don't more than a notion that there is no understanding true love without also understanding boundaries mm. and the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, God, we know uh, that God. We ultimately come to understand that God uh, introduced the law to expose man's frailty, mm-hmm. to, to, to expo- expose man's inability to be perfect, to keep the law to to for man. Mm-hmm. So man understand that, and later that God would send His Son to show that 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 despite your flaws, I have not changed. My love is still the same. My grace is available to you. Mm-hmm. The love I started in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. I am that. But at the same time today, uh, uh, getting back to something I said earlier, Mark, many people have trouble understanding a loving God. Well, see, God doesn't change. Mm-hmm. I, I introduce love. I introduce law. There are boundaries. But my love doesn't change because there are boundaries. In fact, my love is going to ultimately be seen mm. because of your inability, through mm-hmm. my, your inability to keep the boundaries that mm-hmm. I set. Mm-hmm. And so without the boundaries... And the frailty of man, we never really understand fully the love of God. Right. A lot of people, Mark, only see even from humans, they uh, uh, fellow humans, they only see love as what you give to me, mm-hmm. tangible things. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is, God's love is expressed in what He keeps from us, mm-hmm. 
and not giving us what he's just like a father's love or mother's love. A lot of people, you know, their parents don't love them because they don't give them this. You know, you need to consider the fact that that your parents are keeping you protected from some things, right. watching over you, and those boundaries are a great expression of love. And again, I want to go back. God doesn't change. Right. Who he was in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, he is no different today. Right. And there are so many people in, in terms of his love, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and, and, and I just don't know. I want to throw this at you. Why would a person assume that God is unloving who is breathing? I mean, consider that. You know, I, I I don't want to go too far into this man because I'm still talking about love. I, and I want to mention this this comedian on the radio because he just he was just ridiculous. His name is Corey Holcomb. Okay. Corey Holcomb, and uh, he's a brother, and I'm, not, and I'm not trying to fight him, but I am fighting his concept. He said, to, I watched some short clip he said the other day that Jesus Christ had never done a blank blank thing for him. Mm. Uh, he I could, he has the right to have that view. Mm-hmm. Sure. But he's sitting on the radio, mm-hmm. and he, he, in my opinion, he's not that great a. Comedian, he's okay. kind of vulgar. His his hashtag is that he's vulgar, mm. and I'm sitting here thinking, the very opportunity that you have to say this mm. is because of God's mercy. Mm-hmm. There are people all over the world, Mark, who have this thing that they have accomplished. Mm. This you have done. This your humanism, your strength has. Right. It is the grace and mercy of God, even when it is the love of God, even when you don't know it. That's right. Yeah. Every single day and every single way. This is an important idea that uh, really is lost on this culture. Uh, just to give a great a, point, a, an important a connective tissue to this. We hear people all the time crying out for freedom. They want to be able to do what they want to be able to do. But you cannot have freedom without responsibility. There, and to the, this is to your point. There it, are boundaries in life. <laughs> You know, if there's a stop sign in life, it's there not to inhibit your freedom. Right, that's right. But to protect protect life. it. Absolutely. <laughs> that's the important Absolutely. Issue. And so, it's a God concept. That's right. So the very idea that a stop sign exists or a stoplight exists, you push that all the way back to the original intention. We actually value human life because mm-hmm. of the stop sign. Right. That's what the stop sign is saying. So when you stop to ask yourself the question, why does the stop sign exist? It's not to inhibit you. It's not to limit you. It's actually to protect you. Exactly. And the idea that we have boundaries within life is a hugely important issue. And this goes back to your point about Torah. goes back to the point about law and the connecting of love to this. I'm mindful here of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30 where God says in verses 11 to 15, you know, I gave you the law. Not because I'm this awful, ogre, mean God. Mm-hmm. And this is Eccles' free translation, of yep. course. All but, right. because, <laughs> but because it is for your benefit. Right. For your benefit. Right. So this God of, of beneficence has given benefit to us. And, of course, now we give it to others. Exactly. Exactly. There's no... God could not claim to love us without boundaries that go with the blessing. He, he he could not, he, and 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 let's think. Just think in, in in our society, in our culture today. You know, what is our opinion of parents mm. who only give what the child wants? Oh boy, <laughs> with ever, without ever giving them boundaries, That's rules, right. or instruction. Mm. What do we? I mean, what is our opinion? We don't we don't consider that wise parenting. We don't consider that loving. 
parent, parenthood. Right. And so um, certainly we, we, we to understand God, to be the church, to be more uh, potent at racial reconciliation, mm-hmm. we have to accept the fact that uh, God, the God we are trying to emulate is a God of abundant favor. Mm-hmm. But he's also a God of consistent discipline. Yes. This uh, goes to the idea that comes up, well, of course, it's in the book of Proverbs chapter 3, but it's also highlighted in Hebrews chapter 12 about the reason why God disciplines That's because he loves. is exactly this exactly. father love that Absolutely. you're suggesting here. So we have the boundaries already established. The reason why God disciplines is because he is acting as our father. Right. And as Christians, we know he is our father. And right. so that's an important concept as well. But we to, to think that somehow God is uh, in... in as an adversary to us mm-hmm. uh, after uh, becoming Christians. No. Mm. Uh, Ephesians 2 says that we are enemies with God before we are saved, but not after. Right. He, We are his sons and daughters. And so because of that, his love to us is demonstrated through his discipline. Mm. And the, the reflective uh, concept here you well bring forward into the home is if we are doing this in our home as we ought to be, placing limits and boundaries upon our children and their activities, we are simply demonstrating the love of God in the lives of our, our, our families. That is, that's, that's, that's great. That's a good point. You know, the, the author escapes me right now, uh, but there's an author. I read a book once, uh, and, and, and hopefully the author will come to my mind. But uh, his notion was that there are, some, that, that there are uh, people who have had such a painful experience with Satan, with mm-hmm. sin, mm-hmm. with, with, with the, the sinful nature. Mm-hmm that they don't trust God because of their experience with sin. Mm. And they lower God down to human form and thus expect God to to be the other foot other shoe dropping God. Right. You know, like like sin in this world has has so shamed them. And so if they do believe that there is a God, they have trouble trusting him because no other experience they've had with any other mm-hmm. um uh, uh, existence, yes. person, God, spiritual, whatever the case, has gone well for them, mm-hmm. and so they expect that from God. But, 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 but you've got to you got to taste and see. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this leads to this important idea that I, I used to have a sign in my high school classrooms that read this way. It says, uh, "There are two basic uh, laws in life. Uh, the first one is there is a God. Mm-hmm. Uh, lesson number two: you aren't him." <laughs> and that, that kind of summarizes well your point here that somehow we think that we can do this on our own but we have a truncated uh, limited view of God because we're coming at this from ourselves from a finite fallen perspective and how in the world and let me say it this way how dare we come to try to define this God in our terms as right. finite fallen right. creatures and, oh, there's another word, creatures versus right. the creator, so that somehow we think that we are going to be the ones to dictate to God, to, to define God, who is, by his very nature, undefinable from a human vantage. That is, that is, that is the very uh, degradation of, of, the human, of, of sin on the human mind, the impact of sin on the human mind, the arrogance, the, the, yeah. the pride, yeah. the, the, the wickedness, if you will, that, that we, that God... That somehow a finite God can be minimized mm. to our basic understanding. Mm-hmm. That's that, that's just ridiculous. The Stoics couldn't do it. 
you know, a gripper couldn't do it. And and it's not going to be done. God is not going to be put into the box of our understanding. Mm. Because if you can put God in the box of your understanding, he's not God. Mm. Our God doesn't fit into the box of your understanding. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, um, you know, John 3.16 says a simple, simple statement that... that uh, it, it it fits our topic today. When he when after John six three sixteen he says that God so loved the world, obviously he gave his only begotten son. But he goes on to say, Christ goes on to tell Nicodemus that God sent not his son into the world mm-hmm. to condemn mm-hmm. the world, but that the world through him might be, be saved. saved. There it is. I don't know if, if, if we if there's enough emphasis in the body of Christ today mm-hmm. about what it meant for God mm-hmm. to reach into himself, mm-hmm. pull out his son. And sacrifice him for our sins. You know, if we would start right there, wouldn't it seem to to us that if we would just begin with the sacrifice, yeah, the fact that God has Himself already sacrificed, and if we are to mirror and reflect His nature, then what should be our first response in loving to anybody else? Absolutely, sacrifice, sacrifice. exactly. And we're entering into a season. We're entering into this Advent. We're entering to this season where the where, where we. As a as a American culture, by and large, celebrate whether we know it or not. We we celebrate this season of God's greatest what we what we call God's greatest sacrifice. It's ongoing though, but 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 God's greatest sacrifice of sending His Son. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling. We're talking about love today. Yeah, this is love. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. Anyone, I know this is Valentine's Day, and you know we, we we're more focused on you know arrows today than, than in, in most instances relationships. Mm-hmm. But 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 there's no there's no really knowing love mm-hmm. without first experiencing, in my opinion, the love of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I, I've, I've told young people for years, Martin, that you shouldn't get into a marriage if you don't know Christ, mm-hmm. because you need to experience love mm-hmm. before you can give it. Yeah. And this is what uh, is, of course, the, the wonder of uh, the Christian message, that there is there's no expectation going on here that I have for somebody else that, that you have to do this thing or you have to perform these kinds of ritualistic issues. This is simply uh, recognize your need and accept right. that which has been given right. as in a sacrificial uh, means uh, to us. The Christian uh, message is not one of encumbrance or not one of right. limitation where we're imposing human rules on somebody else. No, by no means is that true. Uh, what we are doing is simply introducing to the, wor- the world to the one who has given us all things. Right. And, of course, in this day, we're emphasizing love and the emphasis. And of trying to display it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we are going to be uh, taking a two-song break. And uh, taking a commercial break after that as well, our guest Merlin Gonzalez from Faith, Hope, and Love International is uh, going to be with us here in this next hour. Uh, But before we go to break, I wanted to say again uh, the importance of this weekend. Again, if you're a pastor, you're a church leader, please uh, reach out to me, echo1957 at Gmail. Send me a Facebook message. Get in touch with me uh, to uh, get the directions and the connections uh, to thefavoritemovie.com. That's the title that you need to go to on the web, thefavoritemovie.com. 
this is a great new Christian film that's coming out. Uh, the folks who are uh, emphasizing this, uh, promoting it, uh, producing it, are going to be here in Indianapolis. It will be shown here in Indianapolis. If you're interested in the connection where this is going to be shown as pastors or church leaders, please reach out to me again thefavoritemovie.com. We are celebrating Valentine's Day today, and of course, as we celebrate that, we are celebrating love and, first of all, Christ's love for us. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. Two songs and a commercial, and we will be right back. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNX.TV at the Cool Groove site. Happy Valentine's Day. We are emphasizing (laughs) love, uh, this particular program. Uh, and we are blessed today to have a great Indianapolis Christian leader in our presence uh, with us here at the studio, Merlin Gonzalez for, from Faith, Hope, and Love Ministries. And uh, Merlin, good morning. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's an honor to be here today. Thank you for the invitation. Absolutely. So just to start off, uh, give us kind of a little bit of a background to yourself, your family, maybe a connection to your church, uh, just a reason why you're in Indianapolis altogether. Sure, yeah. I originally uh, came from the Philippines back in early 80s, and the Lord had called me to uh, work here in the United States. And then after that, uh, I stayed after my contract is, is finished and uh, got to travel uh, most of Europe in my job and, and then came back to the mainland United States, got married. Uh, I have two uh, children. We live in uh, Noblesville. Um, my son uh, is a pharmacist now and my daughter uh, works for an insurance company in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that, you know, um, after traveling in Europe, uh, God had called me to, to move from one place to another, um, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Michigan, Toledo, Nashville. So um, through that, God had uh, opened my eyes in, you know, the different cultures and also the different way of lives and, and, and diversity, and uh, I'm really uh, blessed for that. Amen. Yeah, we are really glad for uh, your experiences. Honestly, uh, you've <laughs> such a broad experience traveling Europe. You're from the Philippines, uh, obviously throughout the United States. And I noticed, by the way, uh, that you lived in some snow cities there as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You can't get away from snow if you live in Michigan or even in Toledo, Ohio. Absolutely. Uh, so I like I like the uh, four season though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, except when it's really, really cold. But I like the changes. You know, it just reminds me of the different seasons that the Lord uh, had provided us, stages of our lives, and, and, and see the beauty in each of the seasons. Well, well good for you. Uh, yeah, speaking of the, <laughs> the beauty. <laughs> you can have mine. <laughs> Clyde, you're not too much impressed with no. snow, huh? No, I am not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, I don't know that we can do much of that for you. but uh, Nothing at all can you can do about it. <laughs> Uh, but we are really happy for your ministry uh, here in Indianapolis, and it would be really good for everybody listening later on the podcast, uh, however this comes out in the future, uh, for you to tell us a little bit about what you do at Faith, Hope, and Love, and the importance of really what that means, not just for the city of Indianapolis, but honestly, as you well suggest, this is an international move mm-hmm. and movement now. Yeah. So fill us in. Yeah, it started as a mission trip in your own backyard. I got impacted when... I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica 
this was uh, back early 2000, I thought to myself I would be changing the world, mm -hmm. and God changed me. Literally, when I came back uh, in United States, I hear differently. I see differently. I feel differently. I was in sales, and and the things that you know what the Bible says, the things of this world. It really, you know, it really changed. I, God has shifted my focus from from doing and and earning money and and performing to to just be with Him. But sometimes, you know, I need to be. Uh, you know, I think all of us need to be reminded that it's just being with the Lord is really what counts because He has the grand plan, and you know, we can plan and plan and. Um, we can work hard, but if it's not in his plan, it's not going to happen. So, um, uh, so after that, um, you know, started uh, getting involved in my church at, at the vineyard, um, in the vineyard in Castleton. And uh, I was volunteering there, and after a year of volunteerism, uh, they asked me to, to be the outreach pastor. So through that, I, I learned more as far as dealing with different ministries, uh, people, being in staff in, in, in a, in a um, church. And um, later on, the Lord had me started Mission Trip in Your Own Backyard, which, again, I started when I was in uh, Costa Rica. So he changed my life. I thought, hey, you know, I want to go back again to Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we know. What that's, that's my reality was that, hey, you know, it changed my life. I want to go there again, which some, you know, a little bit of selfishness. But because, because of lack of money, lack of time, I wasn't able to go back. And uh, my church went there a couple of times, and I said, this is crazy. You know, if this is true to me that, you know, I have a big heart to um, serve the people, and don't have enough money. This must be true for others. And that's where the concept of mission trip in your own backyard started in Castleton with seven churches in uh, 2005. Uh, we mobilized 200 people, less than 10 projects, all self-funded because it was not an organization yet, and uh, it was successful. The um, uh, uh, Church leaders called me, you know, before the end of 2005, and they asked me, hey, you know, what are we going to do next year? I said, what do you mean next year? I said, I'm done. I've seen the vision become a reality, and you guys do it. But uh, they they continued to encourage me, and I said, okay, if we're going to do this, I want to launch it big. Mm -hmm. And and through that, uh, the Lord had given me a vision that we will be at Canseco Fieldhouse back then before be, before it was Bankers Fieldhouse. The pastors laugh at me because, you know, I still owe. Pastors laugh at me because, you know, I still owe. Pastors laugh at me because, you know, I still owe. Pastors laugh at me because, you know, I still owe. Pastors laugh at me because, you know, I still owe. Pastors laugh at me because, you know, I still owe. Pastors laugh at me because, I remember three hundred dollars from the previous outreach, and they were saying, you know, how can you do that? I said, well. I'd like to launch it big. And, and God had put me that vision, and, and through many connections, uh, we launched at Canseco Fieldhouse without any money in the bank. And uh, at the end, I think uh, we received like $2,000, $3,000 uh, 
uh, from Kansika Fieldhouse. So we had like two national mm-hmm. um, Christian band. That mm-hmm. They paid for it. They paid for all the sound system, all the shipment, and, and everything. Uh, for us, it, it you know we did not it didn't cost us anything. But I think you know uh, that was w- uh, one of uh, powerful experience that I had. So my faith was just like high up in the mountain during that time, and I said, okay, yeah, well, let's go for it. I think we're on the right path. It's just a blessing to see the hand of God work when when someone releases their faith. That I mean, that's that that's I know it seems quite simplistic, but it's it's yet profound. Just just hear God. Listen to Him tell you what to do. He'll help you. Most of us, you know, get in God's way. And and here we here sits a man who who God God had an experience with God, heard God tell him what to do, and he struck out, and God helped him. Bible's full of that. Mm-hmm. Obey God. As they went, they were healed. You know, just go. That's yeah. right. Sounds like that's what you've done, uh, Merlin. Uh, certainly something that not just uh, here in town, but also international. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your uh, emphasis on missional community. If, if you were to describe what that means, mm-hmm. what, what does that phrase mean to you? Yeah, we can take a look at, you know, Wikipedia and, and most of um, the um, descriptions there about missional communities, about Christians. And yes, yeah, we, we as Christians need to come together. Basically, a group of Christians going on a mission in a community. That's how it, it was phrased, missional community. And the Bible, you know, from Old Testament to New Testament, uh, people send groups of people. And, and Jesus sent two by two and then the, the 72 to affect and infect the society with uh, kingdom principles. Um, but, you know, for, for me, though, and um, I thought, let's, let's include, let's not be exclusive, not to muddy the water, but at the same time, uh, include uh, even non-Christians. And some people may say, well, you know, that's not missional anymore. But God is on a mission. And that's the, even in, in Egypt, he used Pharaoh. He used King Cyrus to change culture, and they, they, were, they were not Christian. They were not believer. He used, uh, you know, uh, the Babylonians to teach the believers, which at that time the, the Israelites. So for us, I think we should use the, um, the riches of the world to expand the kingdom of God. So for me, missional community would be... Um, Christians in unity working together to change and transform communities. And most of the time, you know, uh, Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God here on earth. Mm-hmm. Actually, the first thing, and, and you know, it's just like a revelation for me, uh, not too long ago, when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray because they were just seeing you know miracles and, and all the wonders and, and, and all these things happening they, they asked Jesus okay maybe there's a magic word that teaches us how to pray now this is very uh, very interesting though Jesus know that he was living right he knows he, he was li- he, he was leaving the, the earth 
He didn't ask, okay, ask for salvations, more salvations. He said, bring the kingdom of God, the, the, the principles of the kingdom here on earth. That was the first thing. It was just like when I look at that, mm-hmm. I said, that was, that's, that's, that could be even controversial because a lot of times you say, okay, well, bring revival or give us more salvations and, and let's count the people that, for Jesus, he said, let's find out first what it looked like, what the system of the kingdom of, of heaven and bring that, usher that mm-hmm. presence of God and spread that kingdom principle that will transform the nations. Right. The functionality of the kingdom of God is what Christ, along with what you're saying, is what Christ was trying to teach his disciples to ask for. That that in a, in a, in a world uh, that I'm pleased with, the kingdom, this world, I'm here to make this world function like the kingdom of heaven, where God rules, people understand the, 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 the entities there, the, the, the existences there, understand the principles of, uh, of, of why it's important to let him rule because he's all knowing. If the earth would ever get to the place, as you're saying, uh, where, where God, the kingdom of God, the earth and the kingdom of God become one, watch out. Where God rules and his servants actually serve and people are blessed because of that rule. Um, I want, I want to bring something, um, you know, earlier in our last segment, um, in our first hour, um, we were talking about a young man. I have a young man at my church who's doing some phenomenal work with, with children. His name is, uh, Shaquan Eli and he's doing some tremendous things. And one of the things that he's helping me to understand is the vast, unfortunate food desert that's here in Indianapolis, uh, and which, which is astonishing with the amount of resources that we have available to us that we would have, that we would lead the country mm-hmm. in being such a food desert. I, I, this is your hour. I'd like you to kind of, if you would, do a couple of things. Define for our listening audience what a food desert is in an urban setting, uh, number one, and then uh, talk to kind of, Talk to us about what you see relative uh, in, in, in plain words and what you're doing about it. So the first, uh, the first question is, what is a food desert? Mm-hmm. For me, this is just, again, my, my personal opinion about mm-hmm. uh, the food desert. It, it involves lack of food, both nutritious and, and not nutritious food. Mm-hmm. Food desert um, is a place where it's hard for people to access the food. Right. And then most Grocery of the time... stores ex- or whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah physically. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, too, uh, food desert is has also something to do with the quality of food. Mm-hmm. Nutritious food. Nutritious food. Mm-hmm. Now, if we look at, um, you know, it, as far as other places, other countries, you know that they are starving. You know that they are, uh, you know, n- not eating nutritious food, and you can tell. You can tell by, you know, uh, it becomes like their their stomach are big. You know, like yes. like, you know, um, not just in Africa but mm-hmm. other third world country, yes. they are skinny and malnourished, but not here in the United States. They can be in a food desert and they may look healthy from the outside, but you know, they they just eat maybe something that will fill their stomach, candy, relieve that, chips, the hunger, fast food. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
so for me that's that's being part of a food desert is uh, easy access and then at the same time also the nutritious food mm-hmm. so what so how do you combat that for us I think uh, the the need I think it's uh, it's, it's a question uh, I'll, I'll answer that with, with a question okay is it a question of lack of food or is it a question of distribution hmm. is it a question that in a, in land of plenty why are people starving mm-hmm. in land you know in the super country you know super world um, in, in a country like United States w- why is it that we throw more food away we waste more food and you know I myself you know just like this morning I was just cleaning you know my wife and I look at the refrigerator we have some frozen things and uh, we we meant to to eat that like Mm -hmm. before the expiration date right (laughs) and then now we have to clean it right so we so there are there's there's a gap Mm -hmm. and I think for us as Christians we need to not just, you know, um, say preach the gospel, mm. but provide kingdom principles, practical principles, how we can maximize and become good steward of what the Lord had given us. You know, I really, uh, Mark brought up, um, Dr. Eccles brought up an analogy I want to bring up in just a second. Uh, that I think is really fitting here. But before I do, you said, why you mentioned earlier, why do we have, you know, he, Hosea. Four and six says, my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. We, we, we do not uh, take, and it's not that there's not knowledge available. It's our commitment to it with the wisdom of God. Uh, Dr. Eccles brought up uh, the, 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 the uh, Cooney and the ant and, and in, in terms of wisdom and how they work together to distribute their funds, uh, their, their resources, not so much their funds, but their resources. Uh, a couple of shows ago, remember Mark, we talked sure. about that. And I think, I think, uh, uh, I think a whole lot of that, a whole lot of that is what happened with, uh, with, uh, with what happens with us with the food desert situation. It's not that we don't have, uh, food. We have fast food, we have variety stores, we have, but there's scarcity of, of uh, um, natural foods, healthy foods, foods that children would would uh, would can use to have a better day, better access to fruit, better access to grain, fiber, and and education about this. You know, we we've had some a uh, 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 couple of first ladies go go on uh, uh, educational food. Uh, informational tours in the country trying to make sure that people understand just because there's a whole street of fast food restaurants does not mean that there's good eating and proper eating in that culture and that and that leads to lower grades when children don't eat well that leads to uh, malnourishment it, 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 it works against preventative maintenance for can- for cancer uh, research and the mortality rates increase when people don't eat well so what, what you're doing is, is valuable it's a great ministry of God you think, Mark? Oh, I, absolutely. It, tell us a little bit more, Merlin, about where you're coming from as it relates to what Clyde's just talking about there uh, in terms of uh, getting good food in the hands of people. 
I think we we need to work uh, together. You know that that's a given. But at the same time, uh, Clyde mentioned about educational, informational lack of knowledge. You know, uh, in the verses of Hosea's, what he mentioned, and having the wisdom. What I what I found out in land of plenty, where people are starving for nutritious food, it's not so much about lack of food. It's so much more about education, about informing people, about informing organizations and 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 other entities that there there there's. There are people who are starving. There are people, 80,000 kids. This was like in, in uh, Indianapolis Star uh, headline uh, a few years ago. 80,000 kids go to bed hungry every night. How could that be in, in Indianapolis where you can see that there are a lot of, of food that's, that's, that's available or maybe even wasted? Now, here's what we found out. In, in my work in, uh, in this field, the gap is education. The gap is training. Why, we, why do we go to this school? And why do, why do uh, universities and why do large corporations spend millions of dollars for training their employees so that they become more effective? Because it's the employees that, that, that actually move the, the corporations forward. The same thing as if we are a ministry not as social services. Mm -hmm. And and many times, and, you know, I might be stepping on some toes here, because um, there are most of the neighborhood food pantries, as we know, are in Christian churches. Mm -hmm. You go there, and they are very busy in acquiring food or or doing the the, the physical things. Mm -hmm. But is there a training mm-hmm. that go with that for the volunteers who are the front line yes. of the face, the face right. of of, right. of of the food pantry, and and because they they talk about yeah this is food pantry yeah you know we distribute food but first and foremost we don't serve food we serve people. There you go. We need I to like take, that. We need to take a break, and we want to come back to serving not just food but people. Uh, we're going to take a one-song break. But before we do, I want to emphasize again uh, this movie that's coming out. If you're hearing my voice right now or you're, you're hearing us on the podcast, thefavoritemovie.com. Uh, connect with me at echo1957 at gmail or send me a Facebook message. Uh, if you're a leader in a church, if you're a pastor, we want you to see this this weekend. The folks that are producing this film are coming to Indianapolis. Once again, thefavoritemovie.com. We're going to be right back after a musical break. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at Radio Next to the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. And we are talking about love today and specifically Faith, Hope, and Love International. Merlin Gonzalez uh, joins us here in the studio today. And, uh, Clyde, you were going to bring this, uh, bring up what we were discussing just before we went to break uh, with Merlin uh, as we continue this uh, next segment. Right, uh, right. Uh, Merlin said something that I just thought was awesome just before the break. He said um, that relative to the actual hands-on of the, uh, the, the food service 
and and distributing the food, uh, maybe even the, alluding to the demeanor of the workers. He said, we have to keep in mind as we serve that we are not serving food first. We're serving people. I just thought that was profound. John chapter 13 verse 35 says, to love you one another and by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have loved one for the other. And so in a world where, uh, in, 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 a, in, in a ministry where, where food is the mechanism that they express the love, one of the mechanisms, Merlin's notion is that how we treat people and how they make us feel, how we, how they feel, how we feel behind their treatment is key. And I'd like, I'd like you to talk about that and, 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 and that's on one uh, hand. And then I also like you to talk about what you're doing in the community to kind of spread your wings, how you're implementing uh, uh, the ministry that you have and what you're going to do to implement one at the Antioch Church. <laughs> <laughs> Would be more than happy to. So your first question was? About, about service, about that the service. comment that you made that we're serving people yeah. uh, more than serving food. We're also serving food, but we're mainly serving people. Yeah, in the process of incubating food pantries, and mm-hmm. we call it incubating food pantries because, uh, especially if it's new, uh, there are a lot of big-hearted uh, ministries who, who need people to encourage them, mm-hmm. to come alongside them, to walk alongside them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we incubate uh, ministries. Now, again, the main ingredient in a food pantry is people. people. It's, not f- it's not food, food especially right. if the food pantry is in a church. Mm-hmm. A church started this food ministry, and then later on, we, we, we feed the people, right. and, and that's good, but later on it becomes a social services. Mm-hmm. So now once we recruit people and, and there's not enough training for people, they just think that, yeah, they are worker, they, they pass out food, and that's it. Mm-hmm. There's a place for that. But I think there should be bigger emphasis. Spend more time on people because people are the greatest assets, whether cor- corporations or, or, or ministries. Mm-hmm. And yet... We have neglected, majority of us, have neglected to recognize that the main ingredient of a ministry or a food pantry mm-hmm. are people. Right. So we emphasize more on the training and in bringing more revelation to people that, hey, you have, you have a person that come to your church. Let me ask you this also. I share this okay. with, with some people also, some, some of the churches, that what is the difference of a Sunday morning, a stranger coming to your church, and on a Thursday night, on a food pantry, a stranger coming to your church, there is a big difference how we treat people. I understand that they come for service on Sunday, and I understand also that they come for food on Thursday night. But how do we treat them? There's, there's a big difference. Same people, same building, same church, different night, and yet the treatment is a little different. Now, in the context of love, we may, we may be doing something, you know, uh, different, but in the context of love, the, the, the root of that is that how we treat people. Mm-hmm. And yet when people come for food with a bag of, 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 you know, a bag of food, they need bag of food, we just give them food. We miss so much opportunities oh, yeah. when we don't even look 
at the face of an individual who who who's needing more than just food. Right. Most of the time, food is just a symptom of a deeper problem. Well, of a deeper trauma. Often, a deeper, uh, sometimes a trauma that they've gone through, uh, maybe recently, or just a chronic situation that they have. Yes, and those persons distributing that food, I, I'm really in what you're saying, man. They need to be in a position to do ministry and not just see that st- extending a bag of food it yeah. completes the ministry. Right. These people, uh, they present with a, with a great more than hunger. They have far many more hungers, if you will, I, than I, just stomach pain. Yeah, I'll share, you know, uh, God has, has shown me how I can explain this to people. Okay. So I created a puzzle. So it's just like a house, and then there are, in, in a house, it's just like a, a sketch of a house. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, this is your food pantry. One is traditional food pantry, and one is missional food pantry. Then I asked them, what is the first thing that the food pantry needs? Most pastors or, or leaders will say, we need food. Oh, you don't need food. That's not the first the foundation of everything that we do is love God, love others. That's right. And if we, and that's about people. Yeah. It's about God. And if we, we neglect to 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 put that foundation in a ministry, we will be just performing. Mm-hmm. It seems like you know we're coming back to something. I think we talked about this last week. Clyde was mm-hmm. the. Uh, the idea that social change is dependent upon internal change, which comes from an external source. That's right. So from a Christian vantage point, the external source is Jesus and his love. And, of course, uh, you're right to suggest that this only becomes a social gospel if, indeed, we're missing the opportunities to share Jesus with people who need food, too. And here's the for us, for missional food pantries, the measure of success is not how many people we feed. The measure of success is how much food we will give next year so that we can prove to our donors that we need more money. Well, you know, again, that's just a little bit uh, straightforward saying that, but the implication is there. So how can we prove to our, you know, congregation or to our donors that that we need more money? So we need to put the numbers. I understand that also. But if if that is the mission of the of the food pantry of a food pantry, then they're successful. But if the mission of a missional food pantry of a church is to evangelize and to disciple, then they're missing the point. Right. And here's one of the problems, of course, is that in, even in the church, the church has become infected by the culture, focused on an external dra- data-driven quantitative uh, research uh, deploy instead of understanding that these are human beings, people, the qualitative nature of who we are. And then we're actually serving living, breathing human beings mm-hmm. instead of a number that we have to put out on a spreadsheet. Yes. Uh, so, so for the success, let me just give you Please. the numbers too. Yeah, we ahead. also we have to be also accountable. Sure. So the numbers, all right. Barnes United Methodists, we trained them in February last year. They started their their food pantry in March, and they they serve like almost 700 different families but listen to this they had 186 salvations that's not one super preacher in front of a thousand people asking them to come forward these are people who were who whom they shared the gospel one-on-one and now even the culture of the church is changing mount nebo missionary baptist church mm-hmm. in in 
Uh, yeah, the, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in Martindale Brightwood, they have several uh, salvations since they started in April. And this is what uh, Pastor Mario Elcock said. Yeah, our church caught cotton fire. And I was just thinking, <laughs> that's that's probably metaphorical. He's pretty good. I, I preached a couple of weeks ago. They were on fire. The exciting congregation. But it changed the culture because now we bring the kingdom principles um, in also in practical ways. Because a lot of times people learn more through experience rather than just hearing. Right. And now they experience it. Their, 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 their uh, prayer team... They said, is this that, that easy to share the gospel and I'm not even pressured uh, to do that? Well, you know, God, God shows us a way how to present the gospel. You know, if, if really for, for a church or for a food pantry just to feed people, we just have to look at the 5,000. When Jesus fed the 5,000. He's reading my mind. I <laughs> promised I was going there. <laughs> He fed the 5,000, and then after that, only 12 people stayed with him because he said, you guys are, are coming after me, not because of me. You come after me because your bellies are empty. So they missed the point. Now, Jesus reiterated his point when he met the Samaritan woman. If, if his goal is just like, okay, well, let's just end hunger in Jerusalem. I'm just going to send them quail and money from heaven, and that's it. We solved the hunger problem. No, he did not do that. Only two times when he he fed uh, thousands, you know, 5,000 and 4,000 people, and after that, it's individual. It's a small group. He spent time with the Samaritan woman, and he said, you know what? You're thirsty, but what you think you're thirsty for is not the main thing. The main thing is not food in food pantry. The main thing is people. The main thing for us as churches, you know, as, as a ministry of a church, the main thing is are the souls of people. How much is one soul? So I think the gap is the revelation, the training for our frontline people. They're missing it. But you know what? It starts from the leader. If the leader does not promote that and, you know, just providing the food, how many food, who's going to go to a food bank, who's going to shop so that we can, you know, stock our shelves, you know, although that's important, but I think that's just secondary. And it's just the external means by which we're accomplishing something. You you really need to explain to people something that I think uh, in our conversation, when I went down to your office and we chatted about you coming on the show, that you told me about a questionnaire that you had put together and that your group now uses. Because what you just suggested about salvation, about people coming to Christ, and about all of these folks getting saved, comes out of a very simple, simple little plan that you have put together. Please tell everybody about that and uh, help them to understand how simple this is. Yes, yeah. So we learned from, all of us learned from somebody else, and we borrow you know, some ideas, and, and we got this from a ministry. So before we train our prayer team mm-hmm. how to ask good questions, the first thing that we ask them when we, when we train them is that how to be a friend. Because once, once people see that, once people feel that they are accepted, 
uh, then then that's half the battle. They will they will trust you. They will open up to you, and also their deeper needs. So so for us, we we train them how to present the gospel. You know, if something happened to you. Uh, Tonight or tomorrow, uh, you know, all of us are going to die one day. You know, where, where you're going to go? Basically, that's how we present it. So the pressure is on uh, the disciples, on the prayer team, in how to present that gospel. So now, what we learn is that if we have like a questionnaire, we 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 ask them first. You know, as they are filling out their intake form, their registration, we also ask them, hey, you know, we do have a short uh, couple minutes. Uh, um, questioners here, uh, would you mind doing that? So the, f- on the first thing that we ask them, and this is written, do you know that God loves you? And also on the intake form, we ask them, if God could do something significant in your life today, what would that be? Mm-hmm. That opens up a lot of opportunities, whether the person is atheist or the person is Christian or non-Christian, they will say, okay, well, you know, if your God is real, one significant thing, pray for me for this. That opens up. And then again, we do have the questionnaires starting from, do you know that God loves you? And then in the end, so now, if something happened for you, are you for, do you know where you're going? This is a true story, you know, okay, so I'm not, I'm not saying any lie, but I, I just want to emphasize this. One elder of a church came to a food pantry, okay? He's an elder to the church, to, a, to the church. And I found that from one of the prayer teams. They said, well, you know, this, this guy is an elder of the church and he was not sure he's going to heaven. Wow. He said, I wish. How could, how could I be sure of this? And of course, you know, we do have some uh, written uh, verses and we say, you know, this is what the Bible says. You can be sure from now on. If you receive Jesus Christ and confess your mouth that he is your Lord and Savior. Not just saying it, but actually knowing and accepting, accepting Jesus it, right. in your heart. Right. And, and uh, many times, this is what we heard. Even some of the church goers, goers who, who come to the line and then we, we ask them for, you know, this, to fill out these questionnaires. They said, I wish, I hope, and I'm not sure. Many Christians, I think, the harvest is plentiful, not just outside the church. But also inside the church, and I know I, I might be stepping on some other people's no, toes. That's, that's but, what we do here. Oh no, this absolutely. We we say, hey, you know what's happening in my congregation? Most of them are few are pew warmers because they have not really have that that revelation. After you know a good preaching on a Sunday, they feel good, right? Mm-hmm. They go they go to the front and they get prayed for. They feel good, but what happens when they go home? Broken relationship, the the refrigerator is empty, and I think that's that's something that we need to really talk more about is the practical application of kingdom principles, and that's what Jesus talk about most of the time. Does this get you excited, Pastor? Absolutely. <laughs> I was just sitting there thinking. I wish that the audience could be in in this room, mm-hmm. you know, and to experience the energy. Yeah. Now, the real energy and the, the presence of God's anointing on on, mm. on on Merlin and just just you know 
the, the, the power of God on him. You know, you you can feel it. What's from the spirit goes to the spirit. I'm I'm I'm, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. And just to, and I'm praising God. You know, just to see that uh, more of this kingdom work happening. I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, we've met before, but uh, he, he, you know, if I wasn't saved, I'd get saved today. <laughs> Amen. I'd get saved today. We're going to do ministry. I have some wonderful Amen. people at the Antioch Church who um, who have done food pantry ministry before, but we're going to do it again. We're going to structure it. Yes, we're going to we're going to get trained. I'm going to go through the training with my people, mm-hmm. and we're going to do this. This is a Matthew 25 thing. Sounds vaguely familiar, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's not <laughs> it's not something that we have an option to do. He, right. he says if you if you don't feed the hungry, part of the sign is that either you, 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 you lack of knowledge, of course, but you don't you may not know him if that these hungry people or the naked people or the people in prison, uh, you know, the thirsty people are not your priority. Yep. A sign of knowing him is. This Carrie. is huge. Uh, before uh, we take off here, and we've probably got about five minutes left, Merlin, uh, to kind of uh, let you have the pulpit one more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, how is it that uh, you are providing follow-up? Now, one of the biggest issues that pastors, anybody, a Christian leader listening to this, they're going to say, well, okay, that's fine, well enough. Okay, they get them saved, get them some food, but that's all they do. But that's not all you do. Mm-hmm. And you were very, very clear about that when we talked Tell us all about that. Follow-up, I think, is one of the most important ingredient that's missing in many ministries, including church. Uh, we are very good in creating event, and that gives us high top-of-the-mountain experience. Yeah. And then after that, so what happens next? So that's the same thing. When people, you know, the Bible says that we need these baby Christians. We need to come alongside them because they are babies. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, the parable of, of sowing seeds and, and, and the devil taking out that, that, that word from the seed of, of God from, from the people who accepted Jesus uh, is also happening. So we need to follow up uh, with people. We, we make it a um, a part of what we do is to call people and ask them, hey, you know, uh, this is going to change a lot of perspective of of some some of the the um, churches. So when we call them, we have the information in front of us. Hey, you know, Mrs. Jones, say, for example, we prayed for your mother. How's your mother? I tell you what, that one phone call and one question can change a person's perspective. They may say, are you kidding me? You, I'm not just a number, and you remember, you remember that about right. my mother. And, and, and when that person comes back, that person may have a different perspective and will be looking for like, hey, you know, where is Mrs. Smith who called me the other night who remember what's really most important in me? And now you can talk to that individual and really share more about, you know, the kingdom of God, the love of God, and maybe that individual will start talking about the experience to the other people. So now we're talking about, again, uh, the, the effect of like a Samaritan woman. You know, you gotta, you gotta see this person. You gotta go to this food pantry. It changed me. And then again, what we found out with the Samaritan woman, she evangelized the entire city. 
So that's that's for us. That's why we we say okay, let's spend more time in in people in follow up rather than trying to fill our pantry week after week after week. So again, the uh, the focus more is is on people. The focus is um, uh, the volunteers also. I ask at our table talk, we have a monthly table talk, which is every second Thursday at 11 o'clock, I, I remind them, mm-hmm. who is your first client in your food pantry? And they know now. Their first client are the volunteers. Without the volunteers, the pastor and the pastor's wife will be the one doing the pantry themselves. That's a huge issue for us, I think, for all of us that uh, are invested in ministry, where we uh, consider the issue of leadership something to be a top-down uh, process. But indeed, uh, the leader's responsibility is to train leaders so that they might do the leadership from the bottom up. Yes, sir. I think it was uh, uh, John Maxwell who said, you know, and I'm just going to paraphrase, the measure of leader is not how many po- followers you have. The measure of leader is how many leaders you, you reproduce. And leaders are going to attract leaders. And so anybody who's listening to this uh, particular radio broadcast today or the podcast, for that matter, afterwards, is going to be hearing that uh, there is somebody in town, Merlin Gonzalez, who is uh, the leader of Faith, Hope, and Love uh, International Ministries, producing missional food pantries throughout Indianapolis neighborhoods, and that is doing good around Indianapolis. That's really a focal point. Uh, Merlin, we've got about 30 seconds left. In 30 seconds, tell us um, any last comment that you want to make sure that everybody hears again today. It's about people. We have to go back to the basics, and the basic is the, is the great commandment, loving God and loving people. If we focus on that in any ministries, whether it's food pantry or, out, or any kind of outreach, we have a strong foundation that will withstand the storm. That's fantastic stuff. That's good stuff, man. Once again, we are grateful, Merlin, for your presence here in Indianapolis, and the work that you're doing is fantastic, Uh, training other people to do the work of ministry, first to people, uh, not just to fill bellies, uh, but to fill souls. We want to make sure to highlight one more time thefavoritemovie.com. That's thefavoritemovie.com. Check it out, Uh, pastors and church leaders. If you're interested in, in hearing about this, Shoot me a Facebook message. Uh, give me an email at echo1957 at gmail, and we'll make sure to get that out. Uh, we are just thrilled to death that we have had Merlin with us uh, this week. And next week, we have another special event. We have uh, Gary Habermas from Liberty University is going to be on the campus of IUPUI uh, from about 2.30 in the afternoon till about 9.30 at night. But next week, we have uh, one of the leaders at the campus at IUPUI from Ratio Christi. Uh, Andy Folan will be in here talking about not only his ministry, but the ministry of Gary Habermas. And we'll be talking about apologetics next week. I can't wait for that. It's going to be a great program. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. I, along with my great co-host, Dr. Clyde Posley. Yes, yes, yes. And we have been grateful to be with you again here today. Thank you so much. We'll look forward to seeing you again next week.